Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart Radio. Uh, This morning, I'm going to be speaking about the importance of faith, the importance of faith. And uh, I know that you can see or read the title uh, of our study today, and uh, we're going to just uh, challenge believers to understand that uh, when we refuse or ignore or turn away from divine self-disclosure, then uh, this limits uh, divine activity in one's life. And so we're going to go to the scriptures. We're going to be speaking from uh, the Gospel of Mark in particular. And uh, maybe you can get to the Gospel of Luke, but I want to just point out uh, and elucidate the seriousness of faith. Because faith uh, has serious power, and uh, faith is kept at bay through fear. And so understand that we dwell in enemy territory. Uh, This is the the devil's cosmos. And so he wants to keep believers fearful. Now, John explains that the whole world lies asleep in the lap of the wicked one. So that's the uh, normal estate of the unsaved. The whole cosmos lieth asleep in the lap of the wicked one. But believers, on the other hand, have been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. And so, therefore, what the enemy wants to do is to create fear and uncertainty in the lives of believers in order to control, uh, in order to control their attitude uh, toward God, and therefore he keeps he can keep believers in uh, walking around in spiritual poverty or spiritually impoverished, I should say. So, with that, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll begin our study for this morning. We thank you, Father, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was buried. And as he died for our sins, and he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And so, Father, we thank you that uh, if we sin, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we thank you. For our Lord and Savior Jesus, and we thank you, Lord, for the provision that he has made for us. In his name we give thanks. Amen. Now, I, first of all, uh, let me read from Mark's gospel. I'm going to be reading from Mark uh, 30, uh, beginning at verse 35, Mark uh, 435 to the end of the chapter. And so that will be... Uh, it will end at verse 41. So Mark 4, 
35-41, which reads, quote, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat. Okay? And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? The wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now I want to read uh, the same account from the Gospel of Luke. And this is Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. Luke chapter 8, verse, verses 22 through 25. Quote, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? Commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So I want you to see the importance of of this particular uh, account as given both by the recorded both in Mark, uh, Matthew, and Luke, also in the Gospel of John. So this is a very important uh, event for, uh, or I should say, in the lives of the disciples. This is a teaching event for them. And I want you to note that they they are pushed uh, to the end of themselves. And it is important for for us to understand that uh, that God uses uh, events, people, and circumstances that uh, may be of serious threat to us in order to grow us up in our faith. And we see this across the pages of the scripture, dire circumstances, threatening circumstances, uh, cause us as believers to look up and to look out from ourselves. It is these events that cause us to want to move out from 
the witness of the idolatrous self. And so that's the name I have for our, our, our self-understanding and our, our self-concern, our self-centeredness, uh, which uh, Paul writes in Galatians 2.20 that the, the ego, and in the Greek the word is ego, uh, is to be crucified. Paul wrote that his ego was crucified with Christ. And unless the human ego, uh, that is, and the ego is symbolic of our self-interest, our selfishness, our arrogant self-witness is crucified, one cannot effectively serve the Lord. Now, the disciples uh, were being trained to carry on uh, the the post-resurrection ministry of Jesus. So this is this is their training. This is their seminary. This is their Bible college. And so uh, there is that first-person immediacy that God used, and that God, uh, that God used with those whom he had set aside to do his work in the word of God. We see this. So the idea of allowing uh, you and I and allowing those whom God called uh, to do his work to remain in their comfort zone or in our comfort zone is not at all taught in Scripture. And so... Uh, we read about the reticence of some of, of those whom God called to do his work. They didn't want to do it. But what is interesting is that the will of God does not allow for our reluctance or our refusal to do his will. There is the command that we obey the Lord. There is the command that we do his will. And those commands are stated in the imperative. Uh, and if you read carefully uh, the account of Jonah, you will read that he reared up in rebellion as a horse rears up uh, in anger against uh, the known will of God. And so he sought to remove himself from God's call by taking a, po uh, a boat and fleeing to southern Spain, that is. And uh, so uh, a squall rose up uh, during his trip, and we read that he was asleep down in the bowels of the ship. He was asleep while everyone else fretted about uh, the situation. And so here is this man who has fled, in his understanding, God, and God meets him where he is, and he is confronted with his rebellion. Uh, it is a powerful narrative for us to think about deeply. Now here, notice what's, uh, what is going on. So uh, in, uh, in Mark 4.35, I'm going to read that verse again. We read, quote, And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. 
Now, in the Greek, there is one, uh, the word let us pass over. In the Greek, it is one word. And the word means to pierce through, through the other side. Now, this is, once again, this is a teaching event for the disciples. And at this point, they heard, but they did not hear. They heard uh, phenomenologically his words, let us, let us go to the other side. But they did not hear with perception. They did not hear with understanding uh, the depths of what he was saying. Jesus never did anything uh, without a deeper meaning. All of his actions were pregnant and powerful. All of his, his actions were decisive. All of his uh, movements, his words were strategic and designed to teach. He is the, the, the logos of God. He is the mentality. He is the speech of God. He is the logos. He is not a mere philosopher. He is not a mere motivational speaker. He is God incarnate with a message of, uh, with, with a Bible message for all mankind. Please read John 3.16. So Jesus says, let us pierce through the, uh, to the other side. Verse 38, and uh, we read, and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. Now, he slept at the helmsman's place, and this was a leather cushion uh, at the back of the boat. Now, albeit uh, he seemed asleep, yet he was in complete control. He was asleep on a pillow. Now, uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 1, we have uh, we read that the Spirit of God brooded over the face uh, and of the roaring deep. So, uh, and the Bible uses a term that indicates that the darkness uh, was a darkness that could be felt. Felt is the same word that is used in the book of Exodus for the darkness that came over the land. A darkness be felt. It was palpable. It was it was discernible. So this is a very fearful and foreboding presence. So, and then in in the book of Genesis, God speak. God spoke, and He said, uh, "Like be His first creative act, like be." And notice the the simplicity of the language and of the power. And then when God speaks, electromagnetism is created. That is not the sun, but the beginning of light, the light spectrum. God spoke and it was done or it stood. So um, he is asleep and yet he is in control. The word that is used for the roaring deep uh, in Genesis is tiham, tiham. And so in Hebrew, Tihom is the name for the monster chaos. 
And so what is God doing in Genesis 1? God it, God it comes forth and he defeats the monster chaos by uh, or, or the monster ruin by bringing in order, by bringing in light. And the creative activity of God uh, are done on specific days according to a specific a series of events in order to what? To create an environment for the Adam and his wife. So it is a very powerful account. Uh, and so, again, the monster Tihon uh, rears his head. Um, when God destroys the creation uh, during it uh, and Noah is involved, he reintroduces Tihon. He introduce, reintroduces chaos. And so God reintroduces decreation, D-E. C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N. God brings back, God uses water once again. And so uh, the fountains of the great deep and then the windows of the heavens. And so the, the firmament came together again. The atmosphere for air, etc., was collapsed. And so the waters met again. And so God overthrew the antediluvian environment with their uh, amorality, with their horrible uh, uh, rites and rituals. God overthrew that environment, and uh, he destroyed the old world. I've been doing extensive uh, research in the existence of giants and the existence of ancient kingdoms and uh, what these people, uh, these very brilliant and evil people had created. Uh, very, very interesting. Uh, so one does not look at the ancient world and see any note of a caveman primitivism. That is a lie that the cosmos wants you to believe. There is nothing like that uh, found as far back as we go in history of caveman uh, primitivism. So I want you to understand that. So uh, so an event takes place. Now, we read in verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, he took him along just as he was in the boat, and there were other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus, verse 38, was in the stern, still asleep sleeping on a cushion. Now, the disciples are terror-stricken by what is happening. And so now notice that together uh, uh, they have their, notice their fear. And so they they are afraid, so they they go to him. So they uh, we read the disciples woke him. Now uh, in the Old Testament, uh, there are various verses, uh, particularly in the Psalms and also in Isaiah, which speak about Yahweh uh, uh, being asleep. Uh, 
being asleep. And so uh, when Yahweh seemed to be asleep, he would be invoked to awake. And so prophetically, the disciples are doing the same thing. When Yahweh seemed to be asleep, he is invoked by the disciples to awake. And so in the Old Testament, when Yahweh seemed to be asleep, he would be invoked to be awake because his people were in danger. So please read Psalm 44, 23, and 24, Psalm 35, verse 23, Psalm 59, verse 4, Isaiah 51, 9, and Psalm 78, verses 65 and 66. So, in all these verses, Yahweh is invoked to awake because his people were in danger. So, they go and notice what they say to him. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So, you can tell that they were fearful. The uh, boat was filled with water, and so this was no time uh, for anything else, but they hurled, they hurled upon Jesus their faithless fear. So it was, uh, it was common for the air that, that blew in, that cold air that blew, blew in uh, over uh, the mountains to come down and mix with the warm water uh, waters of Galilee to create these storms. They were commonplace. But there was something very different about this storm. And uh, uh, hardened fishermen like Peter, he was also fearful because he could tell the difference. He knew the Sea of Galilee because this is where he made his living. And now... Everything has changed with the presence of God. So something is different. Jesus got up, and the first thing he did was to rebuke the wind. So he rebuked the wind, and that's an interesting word. So uh, it, he, uh, he stands up. And uh, he commands or he, he punished uh, the wind. And this word that's used in the Greek means to evaluate or to punish. Now, notice the discernment of Jesus within this situation. To, so, uh, once again, this word rebuke in Greek means to evaluate or punish. Why? Because there's something very powerful going on here. Jesus knows. So, he rebukes the wind. And he, uh, and so he said, and so he then he speaks to the waves. So he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, "Quiet, be still." And so, uh, in the Greek, the word uh, that's used for the rebuke of the waves is "siopeo," and it means involuntary stillness involuntary stillness or muzzle. Now, I want to bring information to your attention 
because I want your heart to be filled with knowing and understanding of the power of the living God and what God can uh, do for you. Now, Jesus has taught that if we have faith, as of a grain of a mustard seed, one can say to this mountain, be up and removed into the uttermost parts of the sea, and it will be done. Paul wrote that he is uh, able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I'm going to go over to Mark uh, chapter 5. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to start at, at verse uh, 35. I want you to see something else about faith. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. These were professional mourners. They were professional mourners. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? Now notice the words of Jesus. The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. Uh, and so Jesus, in verse 36, speaks to Jairus. Now, I need to give you this information. So uh, Jesus said to him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Now, the words that Jesus spoke are in what we call the, the present imperative in prohibition, which forbids the continuance of an action already going on. Jesus knew what was going on in the heart of Jairus. He knew precisely what was going on because Jairus heard what the, the message about his daughter. Jesus brings in a new message. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Once again, the words are in the present imperative in prohibition, which forbids the continuance of an action already going on. So the ruler was fearful. But Jesus said, stop fearing. In the Greek, Jesus said, stop fearing, be believing. Now, the language is somewhat awkward, but the language teaches exactly, teaches us exactly what Jesus wanted Jairus to hear with understanding. Be believing. So the command was for a continued, sustained faith. That is Jairus. He was to continue believing 
even in the presence of death. In other words, Jesus wanted Jairus to understand she was not dead to stay dead. Now, why is this language important for us? Just think about the cosmic system and its continued uh, bringing, uh, continually bringing fear into the hearts of believers. I'm speaking only to the believing community now. And on the other hand, we have the living word of God, which uh, does not, uh, which, which tells us that what? Fear has torment. Fear has torment. Those who live in fear, those who walk in fear, those uh, whose lives are surrounded by fear, those whose lives are immersed in fear, cannot move out by faith because fear keeps faith at bay. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The reason why I teach only the word of God is because I want believers to know that a healthy diet of the word will break up all that fear. A healthy diet of the word will break up the hardened, the atrophied understanding of God. It will release Okay, it will break up, as it were, this spiritual plaque in the spiritual arteries of the soul. A living relationship with God will free us so that we can learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, back to the uh, disciples. So they, they wake Jesus with the accusing witness. Don't you care if we drown? And so Jesus arose and he dealt with their concern, their ultimate concern, uncertainty of circumstances. So after, uh, after he addresses the wind and the water, we read that the wind died down and it was completely calm. The sea was at rest. The Bible tells us that the wicked are like the tossing and the unrest of the sea. There's no rest in their lives. And so uh, the sea is symbolic in scripture for uncertainty. And so Jesus makes the sea, uh, which is symbolic of circumstances, placid as mirrored glass. Now, when God speaks to the hearts of, the, of, of his people, he wants them to know that Jesus brings rest. Please read the book of Hebrews. There is the Sabbath rest. The cessation from work, the cessation of activity, activity that is the cessation 
that God brings into our lives. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will rest you. I will rest you. Not I will give you rest. I will rest you. That is, the word in Greek means to make to cease, to make to stop. To make to stop what? what? The uncertainty, the unrest, the bitterness, the unthankfulness, the, the lies uh, that one lives in the cosmos, the unforgiveness. He will make all these things to cease. And so because God can do this, the enemy wants what? Wants to impregnate believers' hearts with fear over faith. So Jesus muzzles, uh, uh, he, he muzzles the wind. He, he, and so there's, there's this involuntary stillness. Now, also in Mark chapter 1, and now notice what they said. They were exceedingly fearful, and he addressed their lack of faith. How is it that you have no faith? And verse 41 reads, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, what manner of man is this, that even the sea, the wind and the sea, obey him? Now, in the first chapter of Mark, we read these words and, uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, so this is about the, uh, the unclean spirits. Verse 23. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know, this is the unclean spirit. I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him. It's the same word that is used in Mark 4. Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold thy peace. That is, to muzzle and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had borne him, that is, to make this man go into convulsions, and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Verse 27, and they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new teaching is this? For with authority commanded he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. The same words that, word that's used for obey in Mark 4. It is hupakuo, which means to hear under, to arrange oneself under. So, here in Mark 1, you see his, the authority of Jesus over the spiritual world and uh, unclean spirits. In Mark 4, you see his power over what? Over what we call natural phenomena. The disciples are in school. And so the disciples question Jesus about circumstances. And he, in turn, questioned them about lack of faith in the midst 
of circumstances. So here, and, uh, and in the case of Jairus, where Jesus said to him, be believing, be believing. His daughter was not dead to stay dead. What are we to learn from, from God's word about faith? What are we to learn as, as we listen uh, and to the words of Jesus? Look, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Unless we are clean, we can't effectively hear the word of God. When our hearts are clean, when we have confessed our sins, and we, uh, we know that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us, and we are able to, and we, we maintain fellowship with God, the spirit of God will teach our spirits. God wants those, God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So when our hearts are clean, then we're in communion with God. Remember, our God is holy. Jesus was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. But when your heart is clean, then you begin to uh, understand what a relationship of God entails. Paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I should read, I can do all things through Christ who constantly, who is constantly strengthening me. So Paul knew spiritual prosperity in his soul. When your soul prospers spiritually, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will follow you. When your soul is prospering in Christ, you will find that your life is going to be globally blessed. You will have incredible power. You will have the ability, the dunamis, to do wonderful things for God. And you can move out by faith instead of being paralyzed by fear. Fear creates the paralysis of analysis, and there are individuals who are great at analysis but not at practical application. They are good or brilliant at ideas but not at doing. The word of God expects what? The word of God commands that we we do the word. We live the word. We, We go out by faith and we spread the gospel. See, it is the, 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 the spiritual ghetto that uh, has under, uh, undermined the witness of God in the community. Well, we have our church. Well, we have our group. Well, this is our group, and this is our little group. This is our little church. These are our little values. That is totally not the word of God. The community is to grow. The community is to grow. The community is to have its presence felt. As the community grows, then prayer will grow. 
And as uh, the, the community of believers grow, then the gospel will spread even more. There's nothing in the scriptures about creating little church ghettos. Once again, the disciples question Jesus about circumstances, and he questioned them about lack of faith in the midst of circumstances. Verse 40 of Mark 4, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid? The enemy will brainwash you with fear. And when the enemy has brainwashed you with fear, well, his work is done. Because he doesn't have to worry about you. Because you're not going to do anything as dangerous as believing God. You're not going to do anything as subversive as walking by faith and not by sight. He knows that he has done what? He has... Uh, moved in your life in such a way he has gained a base of operation and so you are you're going to be controlled and Jesus prayed for his church in the gospel of John he prayed for believers because he knew he understood completely the kind of world that we would be in and that the armor of God is necessity not an option, but a necessity. We need the helmet of salvation so that the fiery missiles of the evil one do not destroy our mentality. Now, if you just make a very casual study of the brain and of the head, you will note uh, the breathing center, uh, just what's controlled with the brain or by the brain. If the thought life is undermined, if the thought life is compromised, not much is going to happen. But the Spirit of God can mobilize the heart, the intellect, the emotions, the will, so that the so that we are effective and we live lives that are well pleasing to God. We do those things because we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. We have learned the, the reality of what it means when the psalmist says, said, writes, be still. And God says, be still and know that I am God. If you only listen to the cosmic system, if you only listen to cosmic preachers, if you only listen to such persons, you're going to always be in, you're going to always be stressed because they don't want you at peace. They want you in uncertainty. They want to keep you uh, harassed, whereas Jesus said, what? I will lead you to, uh, to the waters of quietness. I will give you stillness so that you can fellowship with me and get a greater understanding as to who I am and what I have brought for you. Pray to God about your fear. Pray to God about release from uh, from this paralysis of, of
morning and God bless.